Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome back to this very special episode in which I'm going to be talking to journalist novelist and my very good friend Rebecca Reed about female pleasure in association with smile makers to celebrate the launch of the poet hi Rebecca hello thank you for having me thank you for coming on you know I love chatting to you anyway and actually Rebecca recorded an episode in season one if you'd like to go back and listen to I us did. I was an early member of the podcast you were an early member and I interviewed you and I was in the Christmas special you did interview me three times so am I the most returning guest you are that's very important to me. You are. Yeah. And I'd like to get you back in it again and again. Let's do lots of different episodes. <laughs> I'll be like Judy Dench, who was on, she's one of the only like four people who's won Desert Island Discs more than once. Has she? Why? Stephen Fry, yeah. Judy Dench, not sure who else. I think it's if you do it very early in your career and then you are allowed to do it when you're older. Here to talk about female pleasure, Rebecca. Yeah, Judy Dench, female pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> but you know a lot about this. Uh, I mean, I do. Um, I sort of cut my teeth as a journalist, as a sex writer. Um, not at all because I wanted to do it as a career move, more because I've always been sort of fascinated by sex and the world of sexuality. And so in that very basic sort of write what you know spirit, I kicked off by writing about sex and I did the Telegraph sex content, the majority of it for about, well, I still do a lot of it, but I did the the bulk of it for about five years. Mm. Um, So I also, you know, I've done a lot of trying products, going to interesting clubs, parties, and also like most women who were single at some point in their life, I've just had lots of good and bad sex. So on the contrary, I've never written about sex. And um, I I am also fascinated by sex. I'm someone who's Mm. always read about it and, you know, been interested in different facets of it and what makes it good and what makes it... Or challenging sometimes so I'm very curious really to run through pick your brains run through some ideas and also we have the smile makers report some salient points to get us going so they've done a lot of research as far as I understand into sort of women's relationships with sex and well vulva owners mm-hmm. relationships with sex and their bodies and with masturbation and with toys as, yeah. far as I understand so they conducted a survey at the end of 2020 with 7,000 vulva owners worldwide, including 1,000 in the UK, with a representative sample of the population. And they've got all of these points that have come out of it, and we are going to run through a few of them and talk about our feelings about them. And I think it's a, it's a particularly pertinent time to be talking about this because we know that one of the few good things about lockdown, lockdown was that we saw a masturbation boom. Um, sales of sex toys absolutely soared. I can't mm. remember exactly what the percentage is, but it's enormous. But on the other hand, sex plummeted. Sex plummeted, masturbation went right up. But I firmly believe that's still a good thing because I think that you're eventually, the people who weren't having sex but were masturbating lots will go back to having sex and their sex will be way better having invested that time in their own bodies. I completely agree. That said, I always wonder when people live in house shares and or with people and everyone's locked in together when you say, I'm just going to I'm just gonna go and masturbate. I used to, when I lived in a shared house when I was at university, we used to say we were going to go and fake tan. Um, and then you'd come downstairs still pale and it would be very clear that you were not fake tanning. I had a lovely time fake tanning. <laughs> Delicious fake tan this yeah. time. Right, okay, so fact number one. Mm-hmm. Hit me with it. 
Vulva owners prefer clitoral stimulation and vibrator usage is common. I mean, I feel like that's yes. so obvious to it's both just, of us, but is it obvious to everyone? So I definitely remember when I first started having sex, which was kind of um, the late noughties. I think I started having sex in 2009. Um, around that time, it was really common for my friends to be surprised that they weren't orgasming from just a bit of penetration with some sweaty, skinny jean wearing boy who looked like a knockoff Pete Doherty. So definitely, (laughs) absolutely some eyeliner, a rosary worn as a necklace. Nice. Um, But I definitely think there was a culture of assuming that you would be able to orgasm from just vaginal penetration. Mm -hmm. But we know that, uh, well, the fact, the uh, the exact figures were a little bit sketchy, but somewhere between 75 and 85% of women cannot orgasm from just penetration alone. So if you can't, you're normal. If you can, you've actually sort of got a superpower. So therefore, it is completely unsurprising that we want clitoral stimulation because that's the good bit for us my friends and i all watched sex and city where charlotte gets the rabbit yeah and decided to buy one really so how old were you when you bought the rabbit mm, i think we were uh, 17 because i remember there was a rumor that you weren't allowed to go into ann summers until you were 18 we ordered them online do you remember the first time you heard what masturbation was I remember being in the very early years of secondary school and them teaching us in biology about mastication, like chewing, and people giggling and being like, why is that funny? And then it going around very quickly. But I think most people discover some form of masturbation before they know what it is that they're doing. I read about it in More magazine. Yes, like Cosmo. I remember learning about oral sex that way in Cosmo. And I was like, is that, is that talking about sex? Like I knew what oral meant, yeah. but I didn't... I was like, why would you put that in your... Surely nobody's putting that in their mouth. But the, that's the thing, though. I remember reading that and thinking, how exciting. There's a whole world mm. that I'm not part of, but that exists out there. And it suddenly felt like it's on train to like this very grown-up world. And I was like, this is fascinating. And I was really, like you say, really curious about it and really intrigued by just all the facets of sex. It wasn't just having sex, mm. although that deeply fascinated me. And the mechanics of it fascinated me and how it would yes. work. But it was also all the other stuff. It was all quite like mythological. And I remember thinking, this is going to be great when I finally do it. I Sadly, think not so yeah. true. <laughs> I think we had it the right way around because we discovered masturbation before we discovered sex. Mm. And I think the best possible thing that can happen to you when you learn about sex is that you learn your own body, you learn how to pleasure yourself, you learn the sort of topography of your body, mm. and then you start having sex with somebody else. And I had a lot of friends who were, the way, who were the other way around. They had never touched themselves when they started having sex. Mm. And I think that's a shame because I think they were the people who were who didn't realise what their bodies were capable of in terms of enjoyment. Do you think there's an issue with having a set way that you find pleasure and then being inflexible when you're in bed with someone? So it's one of the things I remember when I used to do sort of sex work, which is a lot of, one of the most common questions would be, is it a problem that I can only come one way? And also, can I get addicted to my vibrator? Or is it dangerous to use a vibrator too much? In terms of is it dangerous to use a vibrator too much? No, it's absolutely not. You're not going to hurt yourself or endanger yourself by using a vibrator as long as you're keeping it clean. And any behaviour that is so that you're compelled to do whether it's drinking eating working out any of that becomes unhealthy if you can't not do it yeah. so if it is if it, if you can't not masturbate then that is a problem but as long as you're able as long as it's not interrupting your life and as long as you aren't keeping it clean there is i mean li- literally clean uh as in washing it with the appropriate soap there is nothing wrong with your vibrator and you using it as much as you want to um you can't 
it's not possible to make yourself unable to orgasm from using a vibrator what it is possible to do is to kind of get into a real habit and your body to kind of learn that that's how you do it so uh, i've definitely got friends who've used a hitachi magic wand which is a very very industrial kind of vibrator it's mains powered and they've become quote unquote addicted to it not because they can't come with anything else just because that's what they've got used to using and you can totally undo that you just need to put that toy away try with a different toy or try just manually and work back up to it and it might take a bit of time is it also a little bit like if you don't have sex for a while and then you go back to it feeling like you've had a palate cleanser and you're excited yes, by it again exactly and i think if you are have if you have a way of orgasm orgasming which a lot of women do so for instance, you like to be on top and you like to touch yourself mm. or you like to do mission. A lot of women find that in missionary, they get clitoral stimulation from their partner being on top of them. So they don't need to be touching themselves actively because they can kind of come that way. If those are the ways that you find it easiest to orgasm, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. But if you do want to have a more adventurous or exciting experience, it's worth giving it a go and not setting the ultimate goal to be achieving orgasm to say, I'm going to try a new toy during sex with my partner and we'll see what happens mm. rather than erase the finish line. It's very hard though sometimes not to feel like you want to do that for them. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, a good, a good person will never be disappointed or express frustration with you for not coming. Um, they might, Hopefully though, a good person will care whether or not you do. I think it's a sign of a good partner if they strike that balance between hoping that you do but not making you feel pressured to. There's that bit in Lace, I can't remember what the name of the character is, where she... Kate, is it Kate? I think it's Kate. She has an orgasm with that partner and then yes. and he says to her, oh, I knew this would happen at some point and I thought that was such a lovely way to approach it. Lace is a sort of amazing bonk buster that everybody should yeah. read by, read by Shirley. And you gave Conner. to me for my birthday. I did. I mean, it's truly, truly the greatest gift you can give anybody <laughs> is that ridiculous gift. book. Um, <laughs> but it kept me going for like three months <laughs> as well. About the sort of, it's about four inches thick. Yeah. Um, but yes, there's a character in that who can't orgasm and, and in, in her 30s and has never been able to. Mm. And I think that I know several women who still either really struggle or who have never orgasmed. And again, I don't have the exact statistics to hand, but it, it, medically, there is a very, very small fraction of women who can't orgasm. It's incredibly rare to literally not be able to. It's almost always that you are psyching yourself out or that you maybe have trauma or vaginismus or any kind of other conditions. But honestly, with all of those things, therapy, if it is trauma related and masturbation to kind of work through it, those are the two best things you can do for yourself. And two best things you can do all around, really. Possibly, yeah. Like, I can't think of any, maybe going for a nice walk. A nice walk. But then... It's great. It's not as good as masturbation. It's not as good. Yeah. 73%. Our vulva owners say that sexual well-being is important to them. You pointed out before we started that that meant that there were 27% who just don't care. <laughs> Which surprises me because I don't think 23% of people are asexual. So that means that there is like... Sorry, 27 sorry. Je m'excuse. Mm. Um, so yeah, that means there's a whole strata of people who are sexually active mm. who don't care about their sexual well-being. How much do you care about your sexual well-being? I mean quite a lot i would say i probably care about it on the same scale that i care about my um maybe slightly less than my mental health mm. about the same as i do probably about my physical health like i would treat my sort of skin and how good my skin is in the yeah. same level of importance as in i would get a facial if things started to feel if my skin got bad and i would maybe buy a new toy if i started to feel like my sex life, sex life was in a rut that's interesting so i wouldn't do that with the toy i wouldn't buy a new toy thinking my sex life is in a rut but what i 
often think, oh, which comes to mind quite often, is I once had an interview with Sienna Miller where someone said to her, what are your beauty tips? And she said, definitely one of them is having a good sex life. And mm. she verbalized something I've always thought, which is that when you want to feel good and strong and vibrant... Mm. A good sex life, whether that's with someone else or with yourself, is really important. And if you don't have that, or if you're not feeling very mm. loved physically, yeah, I think it's very hard to project that, yeah. that energy. I mean, certainly nothing was worse for your general demeanour than having a bad sex life or an unsatisfactory sex life. Um, and then I firmly believe that you can fix most sex lives if both people want to. Right. By bad sex life. So I think, okay, everyone's had, most people have had bad sex. Yes. What would you consider to be the worst sex you've had in terms of what were you thinking when you were having that bad sex? The worst sex I've had has usually been very drunk, um, sort of one night stand type things with people who didn't really care about me as a human being, um, where we were doing it because it either seemed like the sensible thing to do or because we sort of fancied each other enough that it was appealing but not enough to really make the sex worthwhile. Because it's very hard to communicate with somebody who you don't know terribly well about what works for you and what doesn't. And I think also I've definitely, in those in those sort of contexts, had sex where they're sort of repeating stuff they've seen in porn rather than right. actual sex. This is really interesting. So I had this conversation with a friend of mine the other day and she was saying that she'd had some of the best sex of her life with someone she didn't know who didn't care about her. She didn't care about him, oh. but she felt free. Yeah. And not inhibited. Not inhibited. And I think that actually probably both ends are intriguing because mm. on the one hand, you can definitely have that freedom and, yeah, the uninhibited sex and say what you want and do what you yeah. want. And particularly if you don't really know that person and, and they happen to be a nice person who's a good yes. partner in bed, of course. And if they're not... I think my problem is I've usually had one night stands with people who I'm socially connected to on some level. Yeah. So when I've said things or done things in the heat of the moment, I've had to see them again subsequently. Yeah. Somebody you know you're never going to have to see again is genius. But also the sex that's mechanical where you feel like someone isn't connecting with you in some way. Mm. There's no spiritual element yeah. to it. It's very challenging, I found. I think the biggest thing is if you feel very, very desired and you feel that you are absolutely turning the other person on so much that you're irresistible to them... That is very hot. Most people really enjoy that. Is that is very hot. Why yeah. is that so hot? I it's have that too. It's desperate. like if I feel very fancied, yeah. I feel very sexy. I think sexy. it's quite egotistical. Um, <laughs> and it's also, I think, it's the same root cause as why we all like taking those quizzes that tell us like which Bennett sister we are from yeah. Pride and Prejudice or which superhero we are. We like to feel seen and considered and we like to feel like we've been a, we've been evaluated by somebody else and they have found us very worthy. Conversely, having that thing where you feel seen by someone and you've kissed them and the kiss is great and then the mm. sex is bad is one of the worst things. It's unusual. I've, so I've had it where the chemistry has been great and yeah. the on a date, you know, we're witty and it's banter. I hate the word banter, but, you know, it's charming and it's, it's frothy. And then you get to the kissing stage and that's terrible, which I'm told is because when you kiss, you exchange sort of um, data effectively yes. about your respective immune systems. And if you're a bad biological fit, the then a kiss will kill it, yep. which is absolute genius. Like, the fact that our bodies are capable of doing that is incredible. Yeah. Let's go to our next fact about clitoral stimulation. Mm-hmm. 64% of vulva owners say that clitoral stimulation is key to climax during masturbation and 60% think it's key to climax during sex with a partner which is actually i that's 
even lower than so the statistic is usually between 75 and 85 percent really so um that's even lower than you would expect, actually. And it's still a huge statistic. But that also means that some amount, 20%, 30%, are able to orgasm orgasm without without any clitoral stimulation. So I would argue that some of those people might be experiencing clitoral stimulation without realising that's what they're experiencing. Right. So if you're having penetrative sex in the missionary position, there's every chance that you're getting friction on your clitoris from your partner's body. Um, Similarly, you might well, in depending on the anatomy of your respective bodies you might be picking up some clitoral stimulation in doggy style or when you're on top because mm. you might be kind of creating mm. friction I see what you mean. so i would imagine that a good percentage of those people don't quite realize that's what they are experiencing there was this incredible woman called princess marie bonaparte who was related to napoleon and um a princess as her name would suggest and she did a huge amount of research into how women were able to achieve orgasm and this was in like the 1800s this is a long time ago she was an incredible figure and she found that women with a shorter distance between the opening of their vagina and the location of their clitoris so the closer those were together the more they enjoyed sex because the more likely you were to pick up some um so some uh stimulation yeah and eventually she was so inspired by this that she had a clitendectomy Mm -hmm. so she had a clitoris removed and moved further down her vagina could that but vulva unfortunately yeah it did not work at all because she didn't understand that your clitoris is just the tip of is literally the tip of the iceberg there's a lot going on underneath it so really sadly one of the most sort of sexually curious women in the world effectively had genital mutilation surgery and it's it's a it's a really sad story she is incredible though she was like a warrior for sexual wellness it's very sad that it ended the way it did ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Right, let me tell everyone a little bit about the poet and then we'll go back to our chat. So the poet, the focus of it is the clitoral gland. So it's, as we've discussed, it's the most sensitive part. It contains 8,000 nerve endings on the clitoris. And the clitoris is very in size and anatomy, just as the penis does. So that impacts their sensitivities. And some people need more intensity and some people need less, which is where the poet's very clever. It's designed to cater to all of them thanks to different mouth sizes. So it actually comes with three different mouth sizes on it and you can customize it and the squeeze sensors so you can fine tune basically the the intensity of the air pulsation it's really really clever and i just found it very easy to use and it this isn't a point that um 
you know, I've written down at all, but I just wanted to add that it looks really nice. There is a lot to be said <laughs> for beautiful sex toys. As smile makers, I've done an incredible job with creating branding that's pretty and it doesn't feel threatening. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my friends who are sort of on the more prudish side of things, yeah. until smile makers came along, particularly when they were on Goop, they would never have considered buying a vibrator. And then suddenly they see these like nice looking toys on a very like, you know, Gwyneth sanctioned place. Um, And they've discovered masturbation effectively in their 20s and 30s. It's lovely that they don't look seedy at all. It's actually, I I think they look lovely. I'd keep them at my bedside table if I I didn't have builders in. (laughs) I I totally agree. I think um, there's a lot to be said, but you know, we've all, lots of us have been to Amsterdam and places like that and seen sort of enormous phalluses in the window. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot to be said for having things that feel beautiful. The very, very few of the other things you purchase, you don't want them to be beautiful. So yeah. why wouldn't you want your sex toys to be totally. beautiful? Let's talk about vibrators more specifically. Mm-hmm. So 63% of female vibrator users in the UK report being satisfied with their sex lives compared to 46% for non-users. Now, you made this point that people mm. who dis- know about masturbation or masturbate often will know their bodies better. So this yeah. statistic basically feeds right into that. I think so. I think if you don't touch yourself or you don't feel comfortable with your own body you're unlikely to have a really vibrant sex life that you enjoy if someone's listening and they feel uncomfortable or they feel it's a bit gross or they Mm. sort of go oh i'm not 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 into that how would you recommend beginning it's really tricky because so i was raised catholic and i definitely understand that kind of sentiment i definitely used to have a lot of guilt around masturbation the first thing probably to understand is that genuinely almost everybody is doing it like it's not weird it is standard um i would then say you probably want to work up slowly so try and work out what turns you on um whether it's watching one of the 50 shades of gray films buying some some literature um there's a lot of really great books that you can buy uh there's a author called liberty uh, justine elliott who's really good elliott with a y she writes fantastic uh the kind of kinky but not over the top mm-hmm. um or you could try porn um erica lust makes really fantastic sort of ethical feminist porn so very those hard are good to find that very hard to find yeah. that i mean it's, okay. a, it's a that's a whole mind filled with yeah. itself but yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna watch porn erica lust is a very good place to start because mm. it's kind of above board um and then try watching or reading those things without any intention of masturbating try and turn yourself on as much as possible um, and then if that if you start to feel inclined, give yourself permission to do so. Um, I think there's nothing, it's very cliched old advice, but there's nothing wrong with like having a bit of a date night with yourself. Mm-hmm. Have a bath. Mm-hmm. Um, try and do it in a place where you feel comfortable. I think for some people being able to have a locking door is really important. Mm. Um, so that might mean the bathroom, buying a toy that's waterproof or just using your hands. Toys can be stressful to start with. It might be that you just want to start by touching yourself and then work up to investing in a toy. So for people who know this way that they come and they're using their vibrator and, you know, 79% of vibrator users say they know their bodies well sexually. So they Mm. know what they're doing. They know what they like. Let's say new partner, get into bed with them. Partner goes, well, hopefully they wouldn't say my ex-girlfriend loved this, but they have (laughs) their way of doing things and it's not your way. Yeah. And I think it's such a common thing that we, if you get into a long-term relationship, you have like a routine. Yes. And I've definitely had sex with people who are, they're not doing it in a mean way, but they just, this has always worked. This is what blah, blah, blah like. So why wouldn't you? And I think it's really important to try and start each relationship kind of afresh um, and say, so this is what I would do. I mean, 
the hottest thing you can do early on is to show the person what you would do when you were alone. It takes a lot of confidence. It's a very ballsy move to be like, I want you to watch me wang. I was going to say that but is ballsy. It is very ballsy, but it's also very, very sensible. Yeah. Um, but also, if you don't feel comfortable with that, then, you know, you can do it with the lights off. You can do it with candles lit. You can gently say to them, this is t- this is what I like. This is yeah. how it works. Um, and also, the easiest way to start always is just to start by saying, how do you do things? What do you like? What works for you? Do you think conversation is always a good thing in the bed? Oh, conversations about sex are always a good thing. I think so, definitely. Also, it's one. It's it's a great sort of self fulfilling prophecy because when you start to have that conversation about here's what I like, here's what I don't like, here's what you can do, here's what you can't do, that's usually a big turn on. So that True. conversation about limits and boundaries actually can be really sexy mm. and will often lead to sex. But yeah, I think if ever you want somebody to ask you a question ask them that question first. It's like in etiquette, you shouldn't say, can I have the peas? It should be, um, would you like the peas? I or see. my, those peas look delicious. Yeah. Um, and that enables, you know, so a lot of a lot of etiquette is very transferable to the bedroom, I find. It's about enabling yourself to ask for what you want or tell the other person what you want without feeling embarrassed or ashamed. Yes. Because there should, if you, if you are comfortable enough with somebody to let them literally penetrate your body with another piece of their body, you should be comfortable enough with them to tell them what you like and what you don't mm-hmm. like. Do you think that someone buying a vibrator for the first time should also invest in lubricant? Oh, 100%. Um, there is, I when I turned 21, I asked all of the people in my life to write me letters of advice. And one of the things that one of the people I knew said was, there is always time for lubrication. And it is so true. Like, there's, you're very rarely going to make it worse by applying lube. You've got to be very careful what you use. You need to use one that is suitable to be used with condoms if you're using condoms. Um, you need to, if you're vegan, you want to make sure that it's vegan, not tested on animals, no nasties in it, nothing. I would really, really encourage you to stay away from anything scented or flavoured. If a person is adult enough to be having sex, they should not need your gentle to stay such a breeze. If you are listening to this episode today, on the day it comes out, Rebecca and I are both going to be giving away the poet. Which well, is very nice of us, because we probably quite like, not the not our ones. Not all poets. A poet. That would be a very different That would be very different, yes. Yeah. We're giving away poets. And unused. Unused. Sealed. Sealed. Never touched us. In fact, they will come directly from yeah. the brand. We won't even be anything to do <laughs> with it. Nothing to do with it. We won't know your address. Yeah. We won't know anything about you. Exactly. But if you would like to win a poet, please head to our Instagram pages. I'm at Madeleine Loves This. M-A-D-E-L-E-I-N-E, I hasten to add. And you are? I'm at Rebecca C.N. Reed. Yeah. So we'll both be giving away poets. So come over there. Yes. Um, Mine will be on Twitter as well, I think. Yours will be on Twitter as well. I'll put mine on Twitter too. We sort of the reverse. Rebecca uses Twitter more and I use Instagram more. So we'll... The worst photographer of all time. You aren't the worst photographer. I'm like a dad. I'm like a dad. I'm on TikTok now as well. I'm on TikTok now, but it's very embarrassing. What are you on TikTok? Rebecca C. Henry, but what do you please, do on I beg of you, don't follow me. I'm not even on TikTok. My management, I say that very grandly, yeah. my agency told me I should get it and it's just an inherently embarrassing What do you experience. put on? Um, largely pictures of my flat being flooded okay. um, and occasionally travel tips. Okay. And I baked a vegan cake the other day. I'm not sure I've locked down a niche, let's be honest. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you talking so much about all the wonderful things that you know. I'm glad that years my, of having sex. <laughs> my hard-won experience of bad sex was a finally become
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 